this life is over I'm gonna live again Gonna trade this cross for a crown No, this is not the end And when you call my name I will take my hands There's a mansion in glory yet you're gonna meet me there I shall not walk I shall not walk He will wipe every tear from my eyes I shall not walk I shall not walk When he's on my side I shall not I shall not For the Lord is my shepherd In the valley For the Lord is my shepherd When I'm lacking For the Lord is my shepherd And I shall not want Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Rise Up, episode number 266. That's right, we are already 266 episodes into this amazing show, this amazing Godcast that we call Rise Up. I want to thank you guys all for being here. It is January 10th, year of our Lord. 2024 and you are locked and loaded right here on the only network that fulfills you daily and leaves you with a smile on your face ladies and gentlemen that is LFA TV thank you thank you thank you well January 10th January 10th is a special day for me and my family and since my wife is not watching right now She has no idea that, A, it's January 10th because we're so busy, and B, what January 10th represents, and C, if I remembered or not. Now, today is not our anniversary. However, Eli, you might remember this. January 10th of 2000. And 14 was my first date with my wife when you and me and Liz and Jimmy and Nikki all went to see Recycled Percussion at the Lebanon Opera Theater House, January 10th of 2014. See, fellas, dates are important, especially dates that are significant to you and your spouse, you and your wife. And my wife has no idea that it's January 10th and she doesn't know and she has no idea that I will remember it. So I'm going to surprise her tonight with something special. And so today, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be a great day. We've got a charged up show for you today and I've titled it Death by Tongue. That's right. That is right. And I sent out the newsletter this morning. So if you have not opened up your newsletter, 
Please open it up now so that when we go to the verse, you'll have it ready and available to you. Kittenhead said, aw, yes, it is a, it's, it's great when you think of that stuff. Cindy says, too funny. It was the first day of my date with my husband, January 10th, 1976, three years before I came to this earth. Wow. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to you. Uh, so sweet that you remember, get her some flowers, surprise her. Oh, I'm going to surprise her. If it's one thing that I am, it's a romantic. I, I'll tell you what, 10, 10, going on to 10 years in our relationship, um, or seven, eight years anyway, uh, eight years. Um, I do, I, I do the little things. I always, I always have. It's something that I always do. Mainly probably because I like him too. Uh, Jeremy, can I get a shout out for my husband, Angel? It's his birthday today. He's 56, said CQ. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear angel. Happy birthday to you. I noticed somebody said, way to make her feel old, Jeremy. No, 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 no. That's not old. That's seasoned. That's seasoned. We look to those people for advice on how to save this country. That's seasoned, folks. Um, January 11th, 1991, I was saved, says Mary. My birthday. That's incredible. Can someone share with me to, how to subscribe to get a newsletter? I can do that for you. Let me see. Let me bring this up on the screen here if I can. All right. Uh, right there. So if you go to jeremyherald.com, it looks like this. A lot of people wanted to know what the JH was on the side of my shirts. It's Jeremy Harold. Just so you know. Uh, if you go to jeremyherald.com and you scroll all the way to the bottom, you will see Join the Revolution newsletter. All the way at the bottom. First name, last name, email address, boom. Subscribe to the newsletter and you are there. Very bottom of jeremyherald.com. So I hope that helps. Thank you, KC22. Eli, don't get rid of that link. It's one of ours. It's, it's, it's LFA related, Eli. He's over there jumping on. He's like, well, is that a link? Is that a link? <laughs> he says, not on my watch, he says. <laughs> oh, wow. All right, we've got over 1,000 people watching today. Death by Tongue is the name of today's show. Um, what we're really going to be talking about is the power of the tongue. The power of the tongue to create and destroy. And I think we're going to really help ourselves today uh, understand where we are with this powerful weapon that we have. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a weapon of mass destruction. Can I just tell you? Can I just tell you? The tongue is a weapon of mass destruction or a weapon of mass creation. One of the two. So we're going to find out where our tongue lies in that equation. All right? Um, Tiffany says, I'm so broken right now. Aww. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you feel that way. Well, I pray that today, today might be the show that turns it around and makes you feel fixed and put together and not broken. Okay? So let's go to the description of today's show and then we'll get into prayer. Then we'll get into scripture. Then we'll get into some devotionals. I've got a couple videos and we're going to be all set and ready to roll for the day. Okay? Rise up episode number 266. Things are created and destroyed 
by our tongues. Okay? They have a lot more power than people think. What could we do to further the kingdom of God with our tongues? More than we already do right now. The answer may surprise you. Tune in for this charged up episode and please help me share the gospel, not gossip. So we're sitting here talking about the tongue and we say, how could we further the kingdom of heaven, further the kingdom of God more than we do right now? Now, maybe the quick answer that most people would give you is get out there and spread the gospel more. Get out there and spread the word of God more. Make sure that you understand everything that you are spreading so as to not bring uh, people to, the, to Christ in a false conversion. Uh, get out there and convert more people. Now, all of that stuff is a given. But it doesn't matter how much gospel spreading that you do, how many seeds you plant, how many people that you think you bring to Christ by spreading the gospel if you are not showing the gospel? That's right, Lynn, by our actions, but more importantly today, for today's conversation, by our words, by what comes out of our mouths. So again, how could we use our tongues to spread the gospel more than we already do? Well, again, the answer isn't necessarily spread more gospel, meet more people, plant more seeds. That's obvious, but it's really making sure that we are saying and doing what we are preaching because people are going to respond far more to what they hear come out of your mouth on a daily basis and what you do on a daily basis. They're going to respond far better if that, if that stuff is godly and if that stuff is genuine, when you spread the gospel, when you plant the seeds, than they ever would if they look at you as a hypocrite. Now, this is speaking big time to me today. Because while I jump from Rise Up to, li- to Live from America, and while there's a season and a time for everything, There must be some consistency from Rise Up to LFA. I have never disputed that when people have called me out on that. I've never disputed it. I said, I know. Thank you very much for telling me. But it's the people who do it in an accusatory way, not a helpful way of bringing it to light. And where they think that their you-know-what doesn't stink, and they think that they are so much better than you while they are doing 10 times worse, the stuff. So I have never had a problem with people calling me out and saying, hey, you should probably be more consistent. I know I need to be more consistent from Rise Up to Live from America. They don't have to be exactly the same because they're not the same. One calls for one and one calls for the other. But there does need to be a bridge of consistency that I need to work on. And when we get into the verse of the day today and the newsletter that I sent out to you, you'll understand a little bit more of what I'm talking about. So, having said that, let's go to the Lord in prayer 
Then let's open up our verses of the day and let's dive deep into scripture so we can get to the bottom of what we're talking about today. Please remove your hats if you're wearing one. Focus on the cross. Focus on your tongue. Focus on the way you speak daily. And then I want you to pinpoint where you know you are lacking um, glorification when you say things. And I want you to focus on that while we pray. All right? Please close your eyes, bow your heads. In Jesus' name, Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the knowledge that our tongues are merely weapons of mass destruction or, or objects of great creation. Lord, we know that our tongues can destroy and build up. What we really need to know today, God, Father in heaven, Lord of lights, we need to know where we are, what grade we would give ourselves on a daily basis, where we are lacking, empowering people with the word of God rather than tearing people down with the words that we say, where we might improve, even if it's just 10, 20, 30%, where can we improve to what we're saying will build up and not tear down or turn away? That's the key. That's the goal. Lord, we are all guilty of this, except for Jesus. And while we continue on our journey with Jesus to be more like him, we know that we can never do it without him. We know that there is no path without him. And he makes us pure. Lord, please help us today with the Holy Spirit. Help us discern between what is good, what is wrong, and help us become better children of God while we represent your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I call that passion and you tell it like it is. You are right. You are right. But as I grow and as I get older, I realize that there are far more effective ways to do things that are not the way I always thought they were. So passion can be displayed in many ways. I mean, look at Jesus flipping tables, cracking whips. That's a passion. He was justified in that passion, though. He was calling them what they were, not something that would tear them down just to tear them down. Arthur says, my tongue has cost me more money and hurt than any issue in my life or business. Amen. And donated $2. Sir, you are cor- you and me, you and I, we are the same. My tongue has destroyed more than it's ever created. Now, I am working on balancing that out and becoming a better person. And I know that over the last few years, I've brought so many people closer to God with this show, with this podcast, with the skill that he's given me. But I can always do better. I could always do better. So again, if we could just find a more, like, look at this. When I got rid of all that anger that I had built up and that I was, I was putting out my anger in a way that destroyed everything with my mouth, with the, with the things that I was saying, even if I didn't, even if I didn't think what I was saying was true and I was just saying it out of anger, I caused so much pain that it's going to take me, it took me 10 minutes to dig a hole that it'll take me 10 years to get out of. 
That's what your tongue does. Your tongue can dig a hole in 10 minutes that it can take you 10 years, maybe never, to get out of. That's how important, that's how strong your words are. So again, Jesus was passionate. Jesus got angry. Jesus dealt with it in a righteous way. He didn't go in there and call these people something other than they were. Like he, he went in there and called them dens of vipers and thieves and liars and, and, and people that were blaspheming the word of God and the house of God, defiling the house of God. And he was calling them cobras and snakes. That is, that's okay because that's what they are. Look, if somebody's a liar, you can call them a liar. That is justified. If somebody's a thief, you can call them a thief. That is justified. If somebody's an adulterer or an abuser, you can call them that because it is justified to do so. Now, many people have probably called me a hypocrite. Guess what? They were probably justified to do so because while I am a work in progress, I still have not always practiced what I preached. I've lost sight of things more often than I have uh, not. If somebody is justified in calling somebody a name or saying something negative about that person because it's true, That's just the truth. Now, had Jesus gone in there and started calling them, you know, a-holes and you know what heads, that's a different story. Now he's using the power of God, the weapon of mass destruction or the or the, uh, the object of great creation. He's using that power of God to do something that God would not do. What's understood need not be explained, and there's no reason to throw around lies and accusations just to make your flesh feel better, just to please your flesh. Let's go to the verse of the day today, can we? Please open up your verses. And if you don't have the verse of the day, please open up your Bibles to Proverbs 18.20. Proverbs 18.20. I said, hello and good morning. It is Wednesday and we are one week closer to making America great again. From here on out, things are going to get very, very rough. It's on us to make sure that the things that we are speaking and doing have a purpose. This isn't time to say things just to say them or do things just to do them. We live and die by the tongue. Now, when I was writing that, what I was thinking about was the FBI and the DOJ, believe it or not. I was thinking about making America great again and what we say and how it affects the people that we are already divided from and it doesn't really cause any cure or any fix in any way, shape, or form. It just divides deeper. I was thinking about that, but then I started thinking about the FBI and the DOJ. And I know there's a lot of people out there that say things in the chat or in threads just because they're mad about Joe Biden that they probably should not say because it's a good way for the FBI to knock on your door and say, hey, we saw that you threatened so-and-so. We're here to lock you up. You've got to be very, very, very meticulous. And we've got to be very sure of the things that are coming out of our mouth in 2024 because this is the, uh, the year of the great deceiver, ladies and gentlemen. Things are happening that are so 
above and beyond out of control and so radical that your words in 2024 will either come back to bite you, come back to haunt you, or they will they will lift up the entire country and mend and cure and fix everything. It is a very critical time for us to not be loose with our tongues. Now, obviously... We shouldn't be loose with our tongues ever. But we know that there are times in which we can be looser as humans in the flesh in America than we can be in 2024. In 2024, it is all about the year of truth versus deceit um, versus lies. What is real versus deceit. And they will use your words against you. They will use my words against me. You know the Miranda right? You better, we better all remember that every day because they will use your words on social media, whether you typed them, whether you said them against you. Look what they're doing to Roger Stone right now. You've got to be very selective. Now, I know that when you go off on rants, it is very hard to be selective. And I know when you're so passionate as I am going through the news, going through scripture every day, it is very hard to watch every single word that you say. But if we can tame the tongue, ladies and gentlemen, we can do anything. You've got to be very, very, very careful with the words you use in 2024, or you'll find yourself in a DC gulag, never seeing the light of day ever again. And that could not ring more true than for somebody like me, who's got a platform in which I talk for a living. But we have to be careful not to let them silence us. That's true, Shan. Again, you have, we have to find a better way, biblically and patriotically, to say the words that we want to say in 2024. That's what I'm saying. Now, here's, let's get to, this, let's get to the verse. Proverbs 18, 20 through 24. A man's stomach will be filled with the fruit of his mouth. He will be filled with what his lips speak. Whoa. Let's read that one more time. A man's stomach will be filled with the fruit of his mouth. He will be filled with what his lips speak. So if you're constantly out there speaking ill, saying bad things, tearing people down just to tear them down, you will be filled with that same exact... What goes around comes around. What you put out, you will get back sevenfold. And G-Girl said something very, very, very smart. Would I say this if Jesus was sitting right next to me physically? That's what we have to be careful of. Would I say the things that I'm about to say if Jesus was sitting right next to me? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is what the Bible says, folks. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and gets favor from the Lord. The poor man asks for loving kindness, but the rich man is hard in his answers. The man who has friends must be a friend, but there is a friend who stays nearer than a brother. 
Now, here's what I wrote. I always say that to make America great again, we need to make America godly again. What does that mean exactly? Does that mean educating the world that there is a God? Does it mean trying to convert as many people as you can every day? How do we make America godly again? We show it. The old-fashioned way. And that includes me. There are a lot of things that I say that I should not say. It doesn't do the country any good or bring two opposing sides together if I'm constantly downing people for their life choices in a terrible and negative way. Look, I can down people for their life choices. I can say, that's not right. That's disgusting. And what you're doing is going to destroy your community. That's one thing. But to be able to sit sit here and say, from the river to the sea, bring these rats to their knees, that's probably not something that Jesus would say. Now, I can disagree wholeheartedly. That's exactly what we should do. And we should voice it. But the tearing down of others is what I'm talking about. Calling people rats or morons probably isn't the best way to stop the growing division that the media and the corrupt elected officials have caused in this country. Now ask yourself this. What if we all tried to even be 20% better today? with our comments and our statements. Let's try it. As I convert from Rise Up to Live from America at 11 o'clock, two hours to be with you guys, I will see while I'm in the moment, while I'm passionate, while I'm upset about things that I'll be reporting on today, let me see if I can be 20% better. Because if I can be 20% better, I can be 50% better. If I can be 50% better, I can be 75% better. And so on and so forth. Now, Rachel Hawk said just 20%. Hey, look, I'm taking baby steps here. Because progress is better than no progress. Rome wasn't built in a day and people don't stop smoking in a single day. I did, but a lot of people don't. That has to work. If we can all say to ourselves, let's just be more positive today. Even if it's just a fifth of the time. And it has to work. Can you do it? Is it possible? Philippians 4.13 says it is. So let's try it today. And I'd like you to please forward that message, that email, to anyone who loves to hear about God. And may want to join us today or moving forward. So I want you to identify where you're loose with your tongue. Where you know, and that means even who you're around. Let's face it. If Eli and I come in and we're both in a rare form, we feed off each other. And we probably say a lot of things we should not say. So that includes who you're around. Think about it. Who am I around where I am probably the least godly? What am I doing at that time? 
What do I do immediately when I'm with that person or with that group of people? You have to identify where you can improve first and then improve there. You can't just go, I'm just going to be better today. No, you got to identify. Identify where you can be better. So today, even though we have a dumb, dumb award of the day, I don't think that's a big deal. I don't think that's very terrible, right? But I might, I might not say rats or morons or retard. There's very few words that if we just improve on how we say it and maybe not use those very few words, it's going to drastically change the way people view us. Now, I know a lot of people say it doesn't, I don't care what people think about me, blah, 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 blah. But you should. You should. Because your reputation is going to be passed down onto your children, and so on and so forth. And you want the reputation of a godly person who's not a hypocrite, at least, at the very least. Jeremy, please pray for Tiffany and Lee. She has two very beautiful daughters, and her husband is leaving her. That's very rough. That is very rough. And I'll definitely, and I pray, I, I pray and I pray, hope that all everybody will pray for for, for the division that's happening in our own homes. So for Tiffany and Lee, Lord, I pray that you can mend whatever it is. If there is any mending to be done, if there's any fixing to the vision, Lord, we pray that you can put that on their hearts today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You will be judged on how you judge others. Always remember that, said Splendor Faith. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. So Philippians 4.13 tells us it's possible. So I think we can do it. So let's try to do it today. I think it's a great idea. Now, let's go to our one-minute prayer for dads. Open up to page 16 if you have this book. And we're going to be reading from Titus 2, 7, and 8. That is Titus 2, 7, and 8. Respect. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good work. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. Nothing that I have said today can be condemned by anybody. It might, be, it might be able to be condemned by somebody who doesn't know anything or somebody just out there looking for division, but it, can't, it won't be true. It won't be honest. It won't have, it won't, uh, it, it'll lack water. So that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. All dads want the respect of their children, but respect is a two-way street. We need to also respect our children and treat them fairly with dignity. We need to affirm them with sound speech to let them know how special they are to us and to God. Father, I offer myself as one who wants to be a model of good works and to walk in integrity and dignity. I offer my mouth as one who desires to utter sound speech only that edifies, not tears down, especially in the presence of my children. I want my kids to never hear something evil said about me. I value their opinion of me more than that of any other person. Take my offering of myself today and use me to model Christian fatherhood. 
to model Christian fatherhood. Meemaw, please stop putting that same thing in there. I addressed that about five minutes ago. I appreciate that. So now let's go to Ray Comfort's How to Bring Your Children to Christ. Since we're talking about that, friend or foe, let's continue our look at Psalm 1, verse 1. Also informs us, we are blessed if we don't stand in the paths of sinners. Okay? Be separate from this sinful world, Jesus. Jesus was, yet he was still accused of being a friend of sinners. In other words, don't withdraw from the world and become holier than thou. It is easy to look at this proud, self-righteous generation and become cynical and condescending. But we must remember that we too were once deceived. Still am sometimes. So come apart from their sins, but mingle with the lost for their sake of their salvation. Mingle with the lost for their sake of salvation. It doesn't say be in the paths of these sinners, walk in the paths of these sinners, follow these sinners. It says mingle with them so that they may have salvation. As Christians, we are to be without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights of the world. Again, with what we say right here, folks, we could be shining here on Rise Up every morning, but if I ain't shining out there, I ain't shining. We must not stand in the paths of sinners because the Bible warns us that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. To live in holiness means to be separate from the sin that is in this world. How do you know if you are living in holiness? To judge whether you are a friend of the world and therefore an enemy of God, ask yourself if you love the things that he loves or hates the things that he hates. Somebody was just talking about that in there. Hate what God hates. 1,700 people watching. I want to remind you to please click that rumble button on your way in. That's just a thumbs up. Make it green and share it out to your friends. Keep in mind that what you may consider a casual acquaintance with the sinful world may be seen as blatant hypocrisy by your children. We've been talking about that. I don't want my children to say, you're a hypocrite, Dad. You go on Rise Up and you tell people to say things uh, that are more godly. You tell people to watch their tongue, don't use it as a weapon of mass destruction, and yet you're out here screaming at this person for God knows what or screaming because this person is just an idiot. I don't want my kids to see that. So I stopped doing that. I stopped doing a lot of that stuff. If your desires are for entertainment that glorifies sex and violence, then you should question whether you are standing with the world or with the Lord. That means the movies you watch too, folks. Every time you compromise your Christian walk in front of your children, you are causing the word hypocrite to enter their tender minds. Now, I know that the people that are watching this are probably thinking to themselves, you're being too hard. You're saying too much. You don't have to be this perfect. And I'm not saying you do have to be perfect because you can't ever be. And I'm not saying you have to be close to perfect because that's what Jesus is for. He's to fill in that gap. But you have to strive to be, don't you? 
You can't just say, well, I'll just lean on Jesus for this one, and I'll just go ahead and just keep doing this. I mean, that's playing hypocrite, right? I mean, you, you have to at least strive to, even though you know you never will. What's the, what's the harm in striving to be perfect, striving to be like Jesus? Because if you strive to and you fail, at least you're trying. At least Jesus will look at you on that day and say, I know you and bring you into his bosom and hug you rather than I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker, worker of iniquity. That'd be the last thing that anybody wants to hear, right? So if you strive to be, you can't go wrong. If you're seeking, you'll find. If you knock, he'll answer. It's really that simple. The movies you watch, the music you listen to, look, I stopped listening to my favorite band of 30 years like that, cold turkey. And I got into the uh, car two days ago with my son, who has his license, Tristan. He was bringing me down to get my truck because we left my truck at the studio. And he was listening to Rock Station and Tool was on. Now, he thought that it was going to be great that I walked into the car, or got into the car and Tool was on. And I didn't even like it. I said, no, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. He's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. You got to realize what you're put. We talked about it the other day. Garbage in, garbage out, right? You bring garbage in your life, folks. It's hard. It is hard to recycle that garbage and make it clean energy coming out. You can do it. But wouldn't you just rather let a lot less of that terrible in so you don't have to work extra overtime to get it out? Wouldn't you rather use that heavenly energy and stamina and, 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 and resources and skills to, to spread the word rather than continue to purify yourself because you keep dumping crap into your body, into your mind, into your soul, into your eyes, into your ears? I'm going to open up to uh, Jesus Listens. Dear Jesus, Please help me to learn to, appro- to appreciate difficult days. Being stimulated by the challenges I encounter rather than becoming distressed. Because when you do, you might say something that you don't want to say. As I journey through rough terrain with you, I gain confidence from knowing that together we can handle anything. This knowledge is based in three blessings. Your presence continually with me, the Bible's precious promises, and my past experiences of coping successfully by depending on you and you alone. When I look back on my life, I can see how much you have helped me through difficult days in the past. Amen. Yet I easily fall into the trap of thinking, quote, yes, but that was then and this is now, end quote. Instead, I need to remember that, through my circumst- that though my circumstances change immensely, you remain the same throughout time and eternity. Moreover, in you, I live and move and have, many, and, and have my being. As I live close to you, aware of your loving presence, I can go confidently through my toughest times. And when you go through those tough times, you want to be able to edify God, glorify God with the things that you say. So when other people see you going through tough times and they see you not breaking down, they see it not crushing you, they see it not tempting you to sin and say things that are definitely justifiable here on earth in the flesh, but not to God in heaven. Well, then they'll say, how does that person do that? How does that person put up with all that? How is the weight of the world on that person's shoulders like Donald Trump and he still keeps on going? How do you think he does that? How do you think he does that? Switching gears here to talk about Donald. How do you think he does that every day? 
Normal human beings cannot put up with what he's put up with. Normal human beings cannot put their families in harm's way by making sure that they stay firm in the promises of God. How do you think he does that? And when you look at that, and then you look at your own life, and you go, man, that guy goes through 10 times more than what I go through, 100 times more than what I go through, money or not. I don't have to, I can deal with it the way he does. Head up, chest out, shoulders back, straight forward. It is what it is. And what really hurts me is when I see youngsters, children, swearing. I, uh, I remember a couple years back going down to the park to play basketball with my kids. And of course, when you go down to the park and there's other kids down there playing, there's kids playing three on three, 21, five on five, whatever it is. And they're all kids. Of course, they're going to be down there swearing a storm. I was. I was. Bragging about how good you are. Bragging about how awesome you are. Oh, that's another brick. Ah, loser, your mama, blah, blah, blah. But then they start swearing and they're saying the F-bombs and all this other stuff. And my kids are down there shooting hoops with me. And these kids are probably, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in that range. And I walked over and I said, that ain't going to happen anymore. And they looked at me like, who the heck are you, you fat old man? You're not going to tell us what to do. I said, you're not going to be swearing down here anymore. I could promise you. You will not be down here talking like that when there's other kids around you may not know that have never heard any of that stuff before you're not going to talk like that while there's an adult down here that I can promise you do you know that every one of those kids listened to me and then they ended up leaving in about 10 minutes because they didn't want to be there anymore oh well oh well somebody's got to stand up and say something now other people have said to me, well, you're wrong. Those are not your children. It's not your place to do that. Yes, it is my place to do that. As a Christian and as an adult, respect your elders. When I was a kid, any adult could tell you what to do. And you dang well sure better listen or you were gonna get you were gonna get it when you got home. And that's the way things are, folks. You see it, call it out. Whether it's with a child or an adult, don't say that. Don't do that. Probably shouldn't say that. Probably shouldn't talk like that. Call it out, but call it out with respect. All right. Got a video here to play you from Frank Turek, folks. Let's see here. There we go. All right, let's, uh, let's bring up this video by Frank and roll it. I'm not sure. <laughs> I thought that there was a lot of evidence for Christianity, and then um, something I learned something that was that I wasn't I never heard of, and then I start to doubt. So, for example, I was listening to some Mike Lacona and a debate between Mike Lacona and Bart Ehrman, yeah. and uh, Bart Ehrman mentioned that the the gospel writers they're not consistent in like. To the in the fine, in the smallest details, they're not uh, perfectly the same. For example, um, in one in one gospel, Jesus dies before the Passover. Mm-hmm. In another gospel, Jesus dies after the Passover. Another gospel, Jesus dies during the Passover. So then, which one is it? it and then he says, it depends which gospel you read. All right, let's stop right there because that's a Barterman argument. Do you do you realize that after the after the Titanic sank? 
um, there were several different headlines from newspapers about how many people died. They all had different numbers. And they even disagreed. Eyewitnesses disagreed about how the Titanic sank. Some said it went down whole. Others said it broke in two and went down. So I guess that means we can't believe the Titanic sank, right? <laughs> no. What do they all agree on? They all agree on the major event, the Titanic sank. This is why Christians must ensure they are members of faithful Bible teaching churches with a pastor who preaches the whole counsel of God. Because I've seen so many professing believers lose their faith by simply listening to a skeptic. This guy said that the great skeptic Bart Ehrman pointed out that one gospel says Jesus died before the Passover. Another one says he died after the Passover. And another one said he died during the Passover. But guess what I see there? Jesus dying. All of the authors agreeing that Jesus died. The central, most important aspect is there. Frank Turek doubles down on that exact point. They may disagree over how it sank. In fact, we discovered how it really sank. Why? Because we have archaeological remains. We discovered the shipwreck. It did break in two. Maybe the eyewitness who said it went down viewed it from the bow and didn't see that the thing had broken and thought the whole thing went down at once, right? But this is exactly what you get when you get eyewitness testimony. You get people agreeing on the major event. There was a resurrection. You get them disagreeing or at least giving different accounts about maybe who got to the tomb first, who was there, all that stuff. None of that changes the central event that they're writing about, and that is the resurrection. Now, there may be ways of reconciling these. Mike Lacone is trying to reconcile them. My co-author, Dr. Norman Geisler, who wrote the book, When Critics Ask, it's now called The Big Book of Bible Difficulties, gives some feasible ways of reconciling these. But let's say, worst case scenario, Bart Ehrman's right. There's no way to reconcile these different eyewitness accounts about the details of the resurrection. What does that prove? Um, that proves that Hey, it's Danielle with Four Patriots. I have an amazing deal to share with you today. I'm sure you knew Danielle, but I'm not sure. <laughs> when people come up to me and they say, I found an error in the Bible, you know what I say? So. There are no true contradictions in the Gospels, but there are some differences between them. But do not confuse difference with discrepancy. In essence, the four Gospels are based on eyewitness testimony of a Galilean Jewish teacher whose name was Jesus Christ, who was the Messiah, the Son of God, and all four ultimately focus on his sacrificial death and miraculous return to life. Some of the details may differ, but that's exactly what you expect when you're dealing with eyewitness testimony. Imagine five people witness a car crash. One person may say the car was red, another person may say the car was burgundy. Someone else might say the wheels were chrome, another person may say the wheels were alloy. But they all agree on the central, most important aspect, the car crashed and was total. The differences in details are inconsequential to the central aspect. So what does that prove? Does that mean Jesus well, I, didn't rise from the dead? Well, Bart Ehrman's case is that it means that the New Testament documents are not reliable. No, nonsense. Nonsense. They're reliable, certainly, on the fact that he rose from the dead. They may have different nuances or different ways of reporting who's, who got there first, who saw it. I mean, if Bart Ehrman's reading two different newspaper reports on a baseball game, and they differ in the details about how the game was reported. Does he think the game was never played? Probably not. No. You see, this is the problem. This is one of the problems that I think people like Bart Ehrman have 
is they had the view that many Christians have, unfortunately, that if you find one inconsistency in the Bible anywhere, the whole thing tumbles like a house of cards. That is not the case. Okay? The Bible does not need to be inerrant for Christianity to be true. I think it's inerrant. Can I explain all the differences? No. But I, I, I can explain a lot of them. Maybe I don't understand something, or maybe there's a different perspective I haven't considered. But let's say it's right. Maybe... Maybe they made minor errors in there. That does not negate the bigger point that Jesus rose from the dead for our sins, and by trusting in him, you can't have forgiveness. Again, ladies and gentlemen, it's called a vantage point, right? We've done this a million times, but I, I can do it again. Um, if I ask you, what do you see? Tell me, describe to me what you see. If I'm blind and I tell you, describe for me what you see here. And you say, okay, I see it's yellow. It's got a picture of a guy, an older guy at the bottom. It's talking about Christ, the difference between this, that, and the other. Okay, awesome. Now, I describe to you what I see in detail. Has, it, it's not even, the only thing that's similar is color. But yet it's the same thing. We're both describing the same exact thing. It's a book. And it's one book. But what you see and what I see, two very different things in the details. But the fact remains the same. It's a book. And you could do that with anything. It's called a vantage point. But the actual thing still happened, even though the vantage point and the view was different. Make sense now? So, I really like that argument by, uh, not, not argument, but that little debate between Frank and, and that kid because it made so much sense. Uh, now I want to play something for you real quick uh, that I saved. Uh, let's see here. Oh, I don't think it's a video. I think it's just a, yeah, I think it's just, just a, just a picture. Go ahead. Forgive the people that hurt you. God will pay you back with double the joy, double the victory. I just thought that was a good message to go out on today. Forgive the people that hurt you. God will pay you back with double the joy and double the victory. Does that ring true for any of you? When you forgive somebody for doing something wrong to you, do you feel like a weight has been lifted off your shoulders? Do you feel like you're not allowing yourself to be, uh, to be you know, weighed down or, or, or bogged down by that problem anymore? I mean, that's how I feel. I mean, I can remember forgiving my mother and father um, for you know, their lack of being there in my life. And when they were there, what they did, um, I, I hated. There was nobody on planet Earth that I hated more than my mom and my dad. And there was no people on this earth that I blamed more for the trouble that I had got into in my life than my mom and my dad. However, when I forgave them and I realized that I was guilty of, the, of my own actions and the consequences of my actions were what I got and that my parents did with what they knew how and they didn't know any better, forgive them, they know not what they do, my life became so much better. As a matter of fact, had I not done that, I wouldn't be able to be a Christian today. Being a Christian means doing the hard stuff, right? 
Doing the hard stuff. That's what being a Christian is. Doing the hard stuff and not complaining about it. I think that's what it is. And being better than you could ever be on your own. That's what I think it is. With God. All right, folks. I'm going to take you out the same way I brought you in with some beautiful Christian music I shall not want. Because you want to know something every morning that we're together. And we do these Bible studies together. And I just feel the Holy Spirit. I leave this show, and man, I can tell you, I shall not want. I am not in need of anything. There are no empty holes inside my body anywhere because they've all been filled with the Holy Spirit and the gospel. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope and pray that you feel the same way. Mike Crispy and Unafraid with producer Frankie comes up next, followed by two hours of Live from America right here from the Live Free or Die Granite State of New Hampshire. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. Please share it out. Like and rumble all the shows. Make sure you become a one-time or a monthly donor here because this is a viewer-funded network, and we all own the rights to this. God bless you guys. I shall not want. See you later. I